Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Sometimes you can save a story with a great ending. For example, if you lose your job, get dumped, eat some food you don't like, but then you win the lottery, at least there will be some happiness at the end. Really though, you do need to make sure whatever narrative you're telling has more than one highlight, otherwise you may end up like this. I'm Simon from What Culture. Please do hit that subscribe button, and this is 10 WWE Storylines. They're only good for one moment. Number 10, Shayna Baszler destroys everyone. After two years of killing everybody in NXT, WWE did the smart thing and moved Shayna Baszler onto Raw and then said, yeah, look, just do the same thing in the 2019 Elimination Chamber. The thing was, before this, it was just a bit hit and miss. She didn't win the Raw Rumble. She bit a chunk out of Becky Lynch's ear. But when she did get to that February pay-per-view, everything was awesome. Baszler was unstoppable. She tore through everyone who even dared look at her in the wrong way and just came across like the biggest badass there was. This was even better as she was headed to WrestleMania to take on the man because now she was coming across as a monster. You totally believe she could do away with Lynch and stand atop of the mountain. And that's exactly what should have happened too, which of course meant it didn't. This was a highlight to say the least and a moment I yearn to experience once again, but she's currently tied up with voodoo. Number nine, the McMahons, the Undertaker and the Lockbox. The Hell in a Cell match between Shane McMahon and the Undertaker was okay. All the madness with a Lockbox and what was in it was never explained, but the return pop for the return of Vince McMahon's firstborn truly brilliant. Coming back to the company in February 2016 to interrupt his dad and Stephanie McMahon, Shane O'Mac received a thunderous evasion and sold more tickets for the showcase of the Immortals as soon as it was confirmed he was gonna compete. So you can't argue with that, friends. If the numbers go up, you did your job. It was all really weird and I never understood why the dead man was involved with this, but hey, it was nostalgic goodness that did give us one of those entrances you just watch over and over again because it's so good made it worthwhile for me, and was the payoff from years in the wilderness. He had been saving up those pops. Number 8, Shawn Michaels and Triple H in 2002. When Shawn Michaels and Triple H clashed at SummerSlam 2002, it rocked. You had a real sense of worry due to the fact HBK was coming back from a career-ending injury, and every time the game smacked him in the back, you winced, you just hoped he was alright. You also had the excellent turn too when Hunter pretended he wanted his friend back and then pedigreed him to hell. And if the pay-per-view had just been around the corner, I think we would have been okay. The problem was it wasn't. So as we waited for the hottest event of the summer, we just did too much. Michaels was beaten up by a mystery attacker. Triple H pretended he was concerned and of course went, ha ha ha, it was me, as if that was meant to be a surprise. I mean, he'd already screwed him over once. It felt like a waste of time. It was just too much when it wasn't needed because the portrayal itself was enough to get fans hooked and the rest kind of just undid it. Oh well. Number 7, The Alliance. Every time the Alliance angle from July 2001 is spoken about, it sparks conversation for obvious reasons. Where was Goldberg, Sting, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan? We know the answers. We 
just refused to accept them. Instead, we got this weird group of WWF, ECW, and WW guys who tried to unveil and failed miserably, but when it was first announced, it did generate some buzz. For starters, seeing these initials join forces was like a fantasy booker's dream. Paul Heyman's promos were excellent. He made you think the hatred was real. It went completely off the rails when we found out that Shane and Stephanie McMahon were behind all of this. And while back in 2001 there was a bit of, oh, not more McMahon drama, it did make for some decent TV. It's one of the few times where it felt like warring factions were ready to kick the other's ass. It fell apart soon afterwards and the biggest story of all time was over by November. But the buzz when this was happening was really good. It gave you hope for the future. Number six, Enzo and Cass break up. This is one of those situations where you just ask why. You don't have to break up a team just for fun. And when it came to Big Cass and Enzo, this was just dumb. They enhanced each other's strengths, hid the weaknesses. They should have been together forever. Vince McMahon can't help himself though, so this was always on the menu, and for a brief moment, it wasn't half bad. Seeing our tall man rip into his former friend as Enzo sold all this like his heart was being ripped out was great. Fans also bought into it too because they didn't want to see it happen, which was the point. If Cass hadn't gotten injured and Amore hadn't gone a bit nuts, maybe this would have worked. The best part is the murmurings. A lot of what Cass was saying was based in reality. It seemed like maybe Enzo had become a little too big for his boots, or to steal a quote, a giant pain in the ass. In a world where you can turn on people whenever you want, though, well, if you can take advantage of it, you should. Number five, Brad Warfare in 2017. Do you know what is dumb? When every November comes around and all of a sudden Raw and SmackDown hate each other. I mean, why would they give a sh? They get drafted around the place anyway, so there's no loyalty here. It's stupid, and I'm dreading it already. WWE has done this many times, however, and in 2017, they found a way to pull it off. Realizing that the attempt a year before had been weak at best, they took the violence dial and increased it. So as an October Raw was coming to an end, Shane McMahon declared that the show was under siege and released his SmackDown troops. We then cut to a barrage of shots of the blue band destroying the crew, the locker rooms, parking lots, and whatever else they wanted, with their strength in numbers actually creating a real sense of domination. This didn't stop when the top guys were here either, as Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were also wrecked, and when Raw general manager Kurt Angle got dragged out to the ring like he'd been shot, fans were intrigued. And sure, it was pointless because it didn't tie into the match at the pay-per-view, but as a way to keep audiences interested, this was definitely the way to go. Number four, Bianca versus Bailey. I will admit this one is a little unfair. I've enjoyed many of the interactions between Bianca Belair and Bailey in 2021, and all of their matches have been great. That good, however, can kind of be pushed into one neat little package, with the rest being a little bit strange. For starters, we found out they were having a Hell in a Cell match 48 hours before the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which kind of took the original concept and threw it further into the ground. We can't forget about the story around all this too, which was that Belair didn't appreciate the fact that Bales would laugh for her. And while that would piss you off, Bianca was just a bit too annoyed. I mean, who really cares? As you would have imagined, though, when they got into the massive structure, they just had a barn burner. The SmackDown Women's Champion used her hair to great effect, which I really do enjoy. And Bailey just gets her character so well now, she's like a chameleon. She knows exactly how to act and how to respond. The finish also made Blair feel like a dominant champion, with the only real shame being that comes SmackDown... We were back to laughing. Surely now after whooping somebody in a cage, it'd be over with. Apparently not. Number three, Diesel versus King Mabel. 
1995, the British Bulldog turned heel. It was another idea for Vince McMahon to try and turn business around, as was making Kevin Nash the WWF champion and pushing Mabel as hard as he could. Everything around this was genuinely unreal, and go and watch it if you don't believe me, but the saving grace was when Davy Boy Smith decided he was done with the fans and went rogue. He was now gunning for Nash's title and was such a mass monster fans bought it, but it was everything else this brought about that made it so much fun. Because the Bulldog had gone bad guy, everybody assumed that his tag team partner Lex Luger had too. As it turned out, he hadn't improved his worth when he fought off men on a mission to help Diesel weeks later. And while that would have been a great narrative, that is all we got. Soon afterwards, Luger left the WWF to go back to WCW and everything was up in the air. Everything else was also not as good. and This was meant to be the saving grace. Number two, the summer of punk. There was definitely more than one good moment when CM Punk went big time in 2011. The pipe bomb, his character, the matches, everything he did. The problem was the powers that be were against him and utterly derailed a period that should have been Punk's ascension to the main event. Do not forget how this started either. CM was out the door for real, but he elevated himself to such a degree, WWE was able to convince him to stay on for another three years. They needed him and they were correct, but due to not accepting that this was their guy, it all just went the way of a fever dream. I mean, Kevin Nash was involved, then Alberto De Rio, Triple H became the focus. If you just watch from the promo to Money in the Bank, it's WWE at its best, but afterwards it was all so haphazard, it left people scratching their heads. There's a reason Punk was done in 2014, and it wasn't because he was allowing his creative juices to flow. Number one, the NWO in WWE. I mean, we will always have that Vince McMahon chair turn. As soon as I saw the letters NWO on the back, I went crazy as a kid. I don't think I could have been more excited then WWE overthought things again. Because even though it was said the New World Order were going to arrive in the company to kill it, when they did debut at No Way Out 2002, they were just really nice. So they weren't here to bring chaos and all the rumors were wrong, but if that was the case, what the hell was McMahon going on about? I get it was meant to be a trick, but it just saw Hogan, Hall and Nash come across as weak and confused, and throughout the night this was doubled as Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock buried all their asses. Dwayne Johnson especially ripped through them while also making truck noises because he was looking at the former Diesel. Within 24 hours, the NWO felt like a joke. It never really got better from here as the WWE tried to rebuild it in their own image, but that never works. Fans wanted what they remembered, not a light version of something that was once cool. But as ever, we are not allowed nice things. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.